This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. This week, Cultivating Place continues our exploration of the healing role of gardens and landscapes in our world and the professional field of horticultural therapy and healing garden design as it has evolved over the past decade or so. We're joined in this this week by Perla Corbelo. Born and raised in Puerto Rico, Perla Sofia Corbelo is the founder of AgroChic.com, a blog in Spanish about gardening and urban agriculture. With a background in psychology and a career as a journalist for an agricultural newspaper, Perla is a well-known journalist and media contributor in Puerto Rico. Since 2009, her work has focused on promoting wellness and a healthy lifestyle through home gardening. After the devastation of Hurricane Maria in late 2017 in Puerto Rico, Perla undertook the Horticultural Therapy Certificate Program through the Chicago Botanic Garden. She completed the program in 2019. Perla is an educator, a mentor, a mediapreneur, and a hip stepmom of two young women. Perla joins us today from her home and garden in Puerto Rico. Welcome, Perla. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me in on your space. I'm very honored for it. So start for me by describing your current practice in gardens and plants, Perla. Yes, uh, AgroChic um, was founded 10 years ago. So this year, I'm actually celebrating the 10th anniversary. Yeah. As you mentioned in your introduction, it, it is in Spanish and it's for people who love plants, who loves to garden, or who are doing some urban agriculture in their backyard, or enjoy just to be surrounded by plants, that's it. I just want people to be um, more in contact with nature. And as I've been going through this journey of 10 years, I, I have changed the focus on, on the content of the of the blog but what has to remain is the the fact that I just want to promote gardening and agriculture in any level you know so mm-hmm. people can be more uh, experience different kind of um, activities relating to nature relating to their gardens and and in the environment mm-hmm. when you say the content uh, and your perspective on it and presentation of it has changed in that 10 years. And by the way, well done on 10-year anniversary. That's fabulous. Um, How has the content changed? Give us a little bit of perspective on that and and maybe comment on on why it has changed, because my guess is it's deepened quite a bit. Yes. Um, 10 years ago, um, it was weird to hear people talking about having garden plots under in their backyard. It mm-hmm. was weird. Of course, here in Puerto Rico, people is used to have at least a plantain plant in their in their backyard, uh, a breadfruit uh, tree, things like that. But to be part of their day by day, it, it was uh, unless you were uh, familiar in the in farming, but uh, in urban areas, it was weird. And of course, when I started, I wanted to 
promote vegetable gardens. So as soon as people started started to do more farming in their backyard or front yard, well, there other um, contents in in different uh, from different outlets start to to come up. So you start innovating in bringing other kind of content mm. uh, for your audience. So I decided to add more uh, about how to enjoy being in, in a public garden or how to use the park for your mental health, things like that. And that's why I, uh, I just completed uh, the certification because it was the outcome of that change in, wow. in this old 10 years. Right, right. So take us back a little bit to how you became a plant person yourself mm-hmm. that made you want to take on this kind of work in in your home region and the, the sort of the plants and the people and the places that grew you into a person that wanted to cultivate a garden in a more conscious and extensive way in your backyard. Well, Plants, gardening has been part of my life since I'm very little. Um, I grew up in the suburbs, so my parents have uh, a backyard and I have trees, and which I climbed. I remember uh, I did it with my, my brothers, mm-hmm. so I, I love climbing uh, the trees. Um, also, my grandparents uh, from both sides, um, they have gardens. At least, you know, they have uh, beans, they have um, pumpkin, things that they would use in their cooking. So I I was used to to see that. Mm-hmm. And of course, I love going through uh, going through my neighborhood. Um, I remember I had this friend that we were like nine or 10 years old. And every weekend we went on bikes or, or strolling, looking into people's garden to see which kind of flowers we were going to pick. Mm. And um, sometimes we asked for them and other times we didn't ask. Mm. And uh, people will uh, do, you know, they were kids, that's okay. And other times people were like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> of course, but uh, in that time, you, I didn't realize how much work it takes for a rose to grow. And uh, and of course, I I could understand every time we asked for a rose, and and people were like, well, there are other plants that you may pick instead of a rose or something like that. Right. So from very early, I I really love to be in, the gar- in a garden, go biking, and look into people's garden from the outside and fantasize what was li- it was like to be in that garden. Mm-hmm. And I returned home with some flowers, put them in, in a vase for my mom, and see how everything changes, the, how the environment in my house was more pleasant. Um, not that it wasn't, but plants always made it better. So I, I, I think that had uh, a very great influence in me. So um, th- that kind of sen- uh, sensation, uh, emotion, that was something that I, I didn't know how to call it, but I understood that I wanted to repeat it. 
So I became more interested in in our mind, in our behavior. That's why I went to college and studied psychology. I fell in love with environmental psychology. Uh, but then I decided to um, do my master's in communication. So there were a period in my life that probably when I was in high school to the end of my college uh, years that I didn't garden as I used to do when I was a uh, leader, that I have my little gardens with some plants in in the backyard of my house. Mm-hmm. But um, I always uh, enjoy being surrounded by plants, and I always uh, rather to be outside. I like to be in the balcony. I had plants in my up in my college apartment, things like that. So later. When I joined my father in his endeavor, in he has a, an agriculture uh, journal. So I decided then that, okay, I have to be more active in agriculture, even though if I'm going to do it in my backyard. But I want to experience that in a more formal way. Yeah. I love these connections. Um, and I love how you evolved from a little person really interested in plants and flowers and curious about what other people were doing with them, and then your interest in environmental psychology. I think that's such a uh, just a fabulous progression that gives us so much insight on the world around us and the cultures around us. Yes. When you described early in your uh, in our conversation that it was weird for people to have very much of a garden in their backyards when you first started this 10 years ago, at least with the people in your immediate environment. Why do, why do you think that is, Perla? Because it's, you know, we've, we all we all need food. We all grow food. We all survive on the plants and land around us. What do you think was the cultural norm that, uh, or the cultural trend or or value that led that to be a weird endeavor there? Well, one of the things that um, has characterized our consumption, our food consumption here in Puerto Rico is that more than 85% of our food is imported. Mm. So now people are more aware of what are our characteristics as an island and how vulnerable we are about food security. So 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't a priority because probably people were thinking, well, I could always depend on the supermarket or the liter market that it's by my house to buy the grocery, things like that. But when you start realizing that you depend on someone else's in the food chain to have your basic needs cover, that's scary. So I guess as communication evolved, like social media, because 10 years ago, Facebook was starting. So to be grouping people who liked to garden or gardening, it, it wasn't... Um, as huge as it is now. Right. So to, for you to find where is the nearest market or farmer's market uh, by your house, you have to um, depend on someone else's who 
use it, who knows the farmers and who can give you the tips on. Now, uh, being social media so huge, so it's easy for you to find where is their, your nearest place to go and buy and buy uh, local food and learn also how to uh, cultivate your own food in your backyard that is not that uh, hard at all. So now it's becoming a norm for people to move into a house or to into an, an apartment and say, you know what, I'm going to use this area, this sunny area, to grow some vegetables, some eggplants, some tomatoes, uh, at least try to grow something that I'm going to use in my cooking. Or at least if I'm not going to to grow it, I'm going to go and sponsor a local farmers. And then the imported product become um, a third or fourth option uh, instead of your first option. So it wasn't the norm mm -hmm. 10 years ago as now that right now in the area of San Juan, which is um, the capital of Puerto Rico, um, 10 years ago, it was very difficult to find different activities relating to agriculture. Now, Every single day or weekend, you have uh, a festival or a farmer's market or a farmer's market, which is uh, weekly. So that is good. Uh, there's more people, young people uh, who is growing their own food, who are growing their plant, things like that. More businesses are growing for it. And of course, we, we can't forget that two years ago, right. uh, after Hurricane Maria, um, that devastated a great part of the agriculture in Puerto Rico and became more important for the people to understand that we need to use uh, our soils better, not only to, to be surrounded by green, but to have the food we need in, in emergencies and always to address uh, food security. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to be honest, right, as you're speaking, it's one of the things that came to mind is that while this is a very intense example of this truth in our world uh, mm -hmm. with your importation statistics. The fact is that's true in so many places of the United States, if not the world, that it's possible for all of us to grow something, but most of what we get is imported from somewhere else. And that yes. food security, I mean, you in Puerto Rico experienced it so painfully and abruptly with Hurricane Maria, but in my region where we've had big fires these past few mm -hmm. years, in the power goes off every now and then because of fire danger, you all of a sudden become far more aware of just how little stands between us and having to figure out survival issues on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's, it's a, a microsm for what we should all be aware of. Yes. Um, you talk about blind blindness. And uh, one of the things that happened after Hurricane Maria is that People were aware, we were aware of how much we miss the, the green and the, the trees and, um, and not having it after the hurricane. It was painful. It was 
difficult and people became aware, more aware of the importance of it. So now there is more activism, there's more uh, people out there speaking about uh, conservation, about food security, about um, the importance of plants for our mental health, things like that. Yeah. Because we have such an emotional journey uh, with Maria and after it, um, and how you start to recuperate from that. And you just mentioned what is going on in, in California with the fires. You know, you go to bed looking into this gray landscape and then you wake up and there's nothing because what we experienced after the day after, it was like a fire went through. Yeah. Oh. And it's, I mean, I guess it's just, it's a, it's a terrible way to get to this silver lining of waking us up to saying, what do I, what do I think is important and what is valuable to me really? And to recognize in ourselves that the plants and the trees and the environment around us is very, very valuable on all of these levels, on our mental health levels, our emotional levels, and then our physical needs levels is, that's a valuable lesson Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Now, when we know that a storm is coming, people are starting to sow uh, more seeds. So they have something it, just in case they have plants growing. They put their uh, their valuable plants inside. They secure them more. Um, so if a storm is comes that is very strong, well, you have something that you just started to to grow and then go back and, and put it into the soil and start again. But you, you don't start from nothing. You you plant it. Because um, we live in a, for six months with a storm alert, uh, a hurricane alert. So and that can happen in any moment from from June till November. So now people are taking more effort to plan their little uh, vegetable garden, things like that, or at least put some uh, emergency efforts to, to take care of that just in case. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Perla Cuerbelo is a gardener, a garden educator, and a certified horticultural therapist. We'll be right back for more about Perla's journey to and with this work. Stay with us. Hey, it's me. The correlation between psychology and the environment is so interesting to me, and not an uncommon thread in the gardeners or other cultivators of place we speak with. Have you guys noticed this? Perla's background, of course, brought this up for me, and then it was amplified by our conversation around the food security issue of her area of the world being made so clear to her in the wake of Hurricane Maria. That line between our most basic needs, food, water, shelter, is directly related to our baseline sense of security, right? And that baseline sense of security is everything to our most ancient instincts and motivators. We want to feel safe and secure. 
And if you ever need a reminder about the abundance of this world, the incredible, opulent riches all around us, just go outside to some green space. Get yourself to a river or a farmer's market, your own little garden, and if you don't have that right now, to a park or a meadow or a forest. This planet offers us beauty and food, safety and abundance if we care for it. That is the ultimate security, the ultimate mental and physical health. Taking care of what cares for us, our own bodies, minds, and spirits, and the body, intelligence, and spirit of this planet. Taking good care of what cares for us. Hmm. Now back to our conversation with Perla Corbello, horticultural therapist and ray of light. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back now with Perla Cuerbelo, sharing with us her journey to pursuing horticultural therapy as a career. So tell us a little bit about your garden before we move to the horticultural therapy program you just finished. How how big is your garden? What do you grow there? Are your beautiful step daughters involved? And do you have edibles and ornamentals? Describe it for us, Perla. Well, um, I have to uh, say that today I took measures of it from a jar, a garden because when, when you asked me about how big was it, I was like, oh, I'm going to measure it. <laughs> and uh, it, is, um, it is 10 by 20 mm-hmm. feet it isn't in the form of uh, an L because I live in a in a walk up um, building. Okay. So I'm in the in the first floor because we have a a, a dog a Rottweiler. So we have to make sure that where we live we have a, a space for him too. And um, right now I'm using just the from uh, the from garden. The back jar is three times bigger from the from the from uh, garden mm-hmm. and what I did is that I use my garden as um, like my secret garden my meditation my breathing space I after the hurricane I decided to uh, put the effort to transform it in, a, in an area where I could go have my coffee so I have um, I have a tree and that came with the with the bill it was already there mm-hmm. um and i have a lot of uh bush uh, bushes um i have like a lot of flowering plants um like lantanas a lot of lantanas hibiscus mm-hmm. i discovered the magnificence of hibiscus <laughs> and how grateful i am that this plant give me flowers almost every single day and uh, I have a variety of them I like I have like five different kind of hibiscus uh, I have um, pentas I have um, annuals like petunias but here in Puerto Rico they they last so for so long so I'm very blessed about that so I make sure that I have flowering plants because I want to also to promote 
pollinators. I wish my stepdaughter, uh, uh, Veronica, who lives with us, I have two, and she she could be more involved in the garden at this age, and she's 17, but yeah. she's not. <laughs> um, yeah, when she was little, she was more active. Right, but, right. But sometimes, you know, uh, it, that happened to me because when I was 17, I made a pause, and like I mentioned before, right. and then I returned to gardening later in my life. But she had helped. She helped me this summer transforming a bench, a metal bench. So she painted it in into a, a, a very beautiful green. So um, she enjoys whatever it came from it, like cutting flowers. So she enjoyed it too. I like to fill my house with plants. Um, so I have ornamental. I have few plants that are edible. Like I have some regal, which is a, a, a plant that we use to give some savor to, to our food. I have some aliens. I have... Um, I have, I'm, I'm growing beans. Mm-hmm. Um, what else that I have that I could eat? Um, I don't have that much to eat. I I do have a lot to for cutting. And I'm very happy that um, I have a lot of plants that I can use into my gardening workshop. Yeah. Uh, like the one that I have few, a few days ago, I have this annual workshop on about uh, festive decorations uh, using plants. So most of the plants that I took to the, uh, to the workshop were from my garden. And, ah. and I felt so, so happy to share with the participants that most of the plants that they were using from from my uh, came from my garden that I propagate them or I made some cuts. So that was something that made me uh, feel very uh, proud uh, as a gardener and uh, and uh, and of course as someone who promotes the use of the garden for anything you know that you do in 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 life, even though if. If you're not someone whose everyday life has to do with uh, horticulture, but you can use your garden to fill bases around your house and change that indoors environment, just like I did when I was little. And something interesting while we were uh, talking that uh, I, I realized what was my journey into gardening, like a year ago, because I remember that every time someone asked me about my connection with nature, I started telling the, my story from the very beginning. I started working with my father in his agriculture uh, newspaper. And I was like, no, I have a, a long history with plants. Mm-hmm. So what I just this, what I described you early in our conversation is something that it was the outcome of an analysis that, oh, no, I, I have a history with plants. I have an influence. So it was uh, very interesting. And it is very interesting every time that I, I tell my story about how I started horticultural communications and when 
exactly it started in. It started very early. Right. And those those early influences that we sometimes don't recognize until much later are so powerful. And, you know, you, you cite your 17-year-old stepdaughter, you know, sort of not that interested right now. So normal, right? But, like, you just know that there is a very good chance that she will come back around just like I did, just like you did. Mm-hmm. My daughters are 18 and 20, and they're very busy being, you know, in college and in school. And and But when they start to settle, they will remember these early um, formative experiences of seeing plants, seeing, you know, knowing that food that was grown in the garden came into the house and was eaten. And yes. that gratification, Perla, of growing all of the things for your workshop this last week, like there's just what a beautiful model to take into that workshop and what a great sense of pride for you. Yes. And that is something that um, through the the certification that I just finished, I validated the importance to when you grow something, when you propagate something, what does it make to your self-esteem? So when you share that with uh, with someone else's and someone sees that they can do the same, that's something that you start repeating and you are always putting yourself in situations that you want to feel good and um, and you want to keep uh, repeating whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to, to say, okay, people are asking me about this. They are happy about it and they are amazed. So, oh, I'm going to keep doing it. So it's a great motivation. <laughs> so it's a great, the, yeah. Yes. Um, and when you're looking into help someone to who has uh, dealing with self-esteem issues, that it's a great way to to show to teach um, how to use plants and to to motivate to, to and, and to cultivate your self-esteem, and especially nowadays that you start comparing yourself so much. Mm. Of of someone else is doing that and I'm not doing enough. And the garden always brings you. You know, uh, it grounds you uh, in terms of, hey, look at all these amazing things that you have done in just this little place. Look at what you have done recently that you share the abundance of your garden with other people so they can create something beautiful. But at the same time, they can use that example to recreate that in their own garden and repeat the experience with their own with their family and friends. So that is something that um, when you're involved in nature, in nature, in nature related experiences, that is something that you keep reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Um, So yeah, it is a great moment. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Perla Corbelo is a gardener, a garden educator, and a certified horticultural therapist. We'll be right back for more about Perla's journey to and with this work in her homeland of Puerto Rico. Stay with us. So, thinking out loud here, I love this whole conversation. I always do. (laughs) 
But there are two sections in this conversation that are especially poignant to me. When Perla shares her realization that flowers and plants had actually been influencing her, had been her friends and companions in her life from very early on. She had just forgotten about it for a bit. The temporary plant blindness of early adulthood and all of its uncertainty. That was poignant. And then her visit to the Chicago Botanic Garden for the Garden Communicators Conference in the summer of 2018. After Hurricane Maria, and after she had just applied to be part of the Horticultural Therapy Certificate Program, she shared with us that she was in that garden and she visualized herself there. She saw herself there in the garden as a professional student in the program before she'd even been accepted. She had set her goal and she saw herself meeting that goal. That part gave me the shivers a bit. You know the way that happens. It's that moment in the stories of so many of my guests, our guests, where the universe gives them the clearest signal. It tells them, this is where you're headed. This is where you're meant to be. I love those moments. They happen. And in my life, they often come on the wings of flowers and plants, trees and shrubs. Pay attention. Listen closely. Our green family send us messages every day. Messages of health and security, safety and love and destiny. This is part of the healing power of landscapes and gardens. I truly believe this and my garden confirms it every day. I hope yours does too on this Valentine's Day week. The gifts of your garden literal and figurative, they are the best Valentines there are. Now, back to our conversation with Perla Sofia Curbelo of agrochic.com in Puerto Rico. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back now with Perla Curbelo, sharing with us her journey to pursuing horticultural therapy as a career. Having become aware of the certification program in horticultural therapy at the Chicago Botanic Garden, Perla decided to do all of her groundwork before applying. The work of completing the application process was rigorous, and she wanted to be fully prepared. After the devastation of Hurricane Maria and the toll it took on her island, Perla knew it was time. As we come back, she shares more about the process and the program. So 2017, I I didn't apply. I was eager. I talked to every single person I knew <laughs> that I was, I want to do this. And people were like, HD, horticultural therapy, what is that? What is that? And I was like so eager and I read a lot about it and of course um, at, by that time I became member of the Garden Communicators International Association and of course you keep meeting new people and, and you start sharing uh, what are your goals things like that so when the time came to apply for the certification I remember Jennifer I was so nervous <laughs> because you you know it's yeah. it, it, 
like I mentioned, for me was like applying for a job in, uh, interview, you know, that you have to put all your papers in order, things like that. Right. And of course, hoping that they say, okay, this person not only have the requirements, but she plans to do something good with this certification as, as soon as she finished. And I remember that I finished all the requirements, like um, they open the application process like in June. Mm-hmm. And I remember that July, right before the Garden Communicators Annual Convention, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Chicago. Uh, I want to send this right before I leave for that. Mm-hmm. And um, a good deadline. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, so great. I did. And I kept talking, telling people, well, I just applied. I just applied to Chicago. I remember when we were in the Chicago Botanic for the group tour. And I saw myself, you know, when you have this visualization board. So when we visited the Chicago Botanic, I was like, this is the place I'm going to be next year. It was uh, because I I just did what I had to do. You know, I I, I just applied. Um, I did everything in my power, so I released that. And uh, but I kept sharing with people. I or I I just applied for this program, and I keep talking about it. So the more I talk, uh, the more I I was convinced that I was already part of that program. <laughs> so I waited a lot of uh, a few months for the answer because they closed the application process in November and they were going to let you know if you were accepted by December 3. And you can imagine applying in, in summer and waiting to the almost the end of the <laughs> fo- of fall for that. I was anxious. I was like in, I remember in November I was doing plans for the next year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing my plans. And if I don't get accepted, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to keep going. And I received the notification uh, on a Sunday, Sunday uh, the 2nd. I couldn't believe it when I saw the, the email. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, now how am I going to pay for this? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, because as soon as you receive that, that you celebrate now you are like, okay, how am I going to pay for this? How was what was the plan? Right. But um, and you make things happen. And I was like, well, I guess I have to sell a, a lot of uh, spaces in the workshops and do more jobs. But um, it was worth it. And it was a uh, ten month. Um, you learn. A lot. It is like I mentioned, um, a lot of uh, online discussion, a lot of reading, and um, I went to Chicago during the summer and this past October for the last in-person session. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things about it, not only the knowledge that you acquired, but the network and the friends that you cultivated. And mm-hmm. I made this great connection with other five women that we are like sisters now and we keep texting ourselves. And that was for me the greatest things that that certification gave me because I did it because I wanted to keep innovating in what I was doing to mm-hmm. amplify my 
my consulting in the gardening lifestyle, but also to keep validating what I was already doing through the workshops that surrounding yourself with garden experience, garden experiences give you a better perspective of life. Um, it helps you in your mental health, things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, it was like, this was the path. And now I'm that I'm still, you know, I keep learning, but I'm enjoying what what is coming. And uh, and I plan and with that in mind. So yeah, that that was what entitled the the certification entitled. Yeah. You know, and, and I have interviewed several people that are um involved in the horticultural therapy world or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, gardens in uh, facilities that, whether they be hospitals or nursing homes, that uh, help to improve the the physical and mental health of the people who are able to use them. And just the incredible number of ways – Chicago Botanic Garden, of course, has one of the, the best horticultural therapy programs and then demonstration gardens uh, Mm -hmm. in place in the world as far as I know. And, you know, it's everything from how to use horticultural therapy for returning veterans from foreign wars or children with disabilities or anxiety and stress relief, you know, when you're recovering from uh, cancer or other long-term illnesses when you are in hospice and um, getting ready for end-of-life care. It is powerful in any of these scenarios. Um, When you went through the program, did did it change how you wanted to then put this back to use in the world, Perla, or did it just solidify what you had already envisioned? I definitely wanted to enrich what I was already doing, mm-hmm. refocus uh, what um, the meaning of the of the workshops, because every time I plan, I was planning a, a gardening workshop, I was very concerned about the educational part, what people are going to learn from this uh, workshop, um, which is still very important. But Going through this certification, the and you start learning how how much people need to help in in the mental health area in in areas like uh, to be more social things like that. I refocus the the meaning of the the workshop. Like you know, I want people to come and have fun, feel good, learn something that when they finish, they know they can accomplish something in their own gardens. They don't feel pressure because I met so many people who told me, oh, I always killing my plants or I get very anxious about the, the, how to care with my plants. And the thing is that I don't want people to feel anxious in a gardening, (laughs) in a garden workshop where you're supposed to be relaxed. You know, I want to create this environment where people feel like, oh, I I know that. I, I, I've been doing that. Now I know that if I make some adjustment, it could be better, things like that. So one of the things that I learned through this experience of the certification program is that you 
always are looking to put the your client, your uh, the person you're working with or the group in a position that they can feel they can do it, yeah. you know, yeah. so or you can make that adjustment. But in the time frame that you have to do a gardening um, activity, you want people to feel like, OK, I want to repeat this because it make me feel good. You know, it changed something in me. So um, that's something that now I have. I have it present uh, in every single uh, workshop. Yes, I want people to learn something new, but I want people to come to the gardening workshops to have fun, to have a, a space for them, a breathing space. I I have this uh, this uh, guy um, who was um, he has come to like several uh, workshops, and um, because it's a general workshop. I don't ask personal questions about why are they taking the the workshop, but I remember that um, it was I think was the third workshop that he experienced with us, and he was telling me that um, for him coming to the workshop was uh, like a, a release time because he is taking care of her of his wife who has multiple sclerosis, and he is the caretaker and of course he needs to have a space where he can feel like you know I'm not taking care of someone else I have this space to take care of me to release you know my tension things like that to re-energize and go back to his responsibilities so knowing that I was like okay this is good because this is why I'm doing this this is why I keep doing this month after month, because you never know how that workshop, that three hours are going to impact someone. And you want them to feel like, yes, I learned something. I had the good experience that I could do this at home and I'm not going to feel frustrated that I don't want to know any more about it. And that's something that I also apply to myself. I don't try techniques that are complicated or I know it's going to suck up my energy. I don't want to be in that position. So I try to look for things that I enjoy. So I keep repeating them and I could, of course, talk about them. So I want to give uh, share that with uh, with other people. People. And of course, if you want to uh, keep going and go deep into different garden techniques like bonsai, like kokedama, things like that, go ahead. There's a lot of people who specialize in gardening techniques that definitely are going to take up the time and have the, the specialized workshop for that. For, for me, it's general because I want to impact the general wellness of, of the person and bring in more people who are who keep searching for right. other ways. Yeah. And that transforming how we approach gardening from this practical to-do list of, you know, buy the seeds, get the soil, get the pot, plant the seed, water the plant, and changing it from just being a practical to-do list as though it were any other rote activity and focusing on, you know, that emotional and relational experience that you get with your cup of coffee sitting in your garden with your hibiscus, 
that's that's huge. They're, they 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 need to work together. These two different mindsets, and not everybody wants to be a master gardener, but everybody can benefit, as you are demonstrating, from that wellness that gardening and being in relationship to plants brings us. And I I just think about your island and your population of people, like my population of people up here who have been through a really big trauma on Mm -hmm. a communal level in the last few years. And that value just cannot be overstated. Yes. One of the things that I say is that your backyard your garden, your small garden is your is one of your biggest assets. And and it is so accessible. It is at the tip of your fingers. So just going out into your garden, you can grow a garden that you can use it as a backdrop for other things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be the active gardener of, okay, I'm going to have the veggie garden. I'm going to rotate the plants every three months, things like that. Um, you can create this beautiful landscape where you can paint, where you can uh, do yoga, meditation, practice mindfulness. That's the beauty of of the garden world that in sometimes it can serve you as a backdrop or can serve you as a supplier for your cooking for your cocktails <laughs> yes so that's the, the beautiful thing or to bring in your friends you know to have a garden party or just to reflect on your life um of how abundance it is in your life because we are sometimes thinking about oh we are lacking of certain things. We we don't have enough of this, enough of that. And when you sit back in your garden and you start looking into flowers, how the butterflies come, the bees, things like that, and you focus on that, you say, oh my God, I already have so much. And I from here, I just can't keep growing. And you, you start focusing in those little moments in your garden. So you can imagine how much you can enjoy when you go uh, for a stroll in a park or a nearby public garden, things like that. I remember when I went the first time to one of the garden conference. Uh, the first one was in Buffalo, New York yeah. in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I arrived a few days before the convention because I wanted to participate in the Garden Walk Buffalo event, which is one of the biggest, or I, I think is the biggest garden walk in, in the United States. And I remember going into people's gardens and I was like amazed and listening to the stories, seeing people you know, walking into the backyard or the side yard, things like that. And I remember my husband telling me there are more than 400 gardens. And if you keep that pace, you are not going to get into 10. So <laughs> hurry up because I kept stopping and taking photos, things like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this garden, this this and that. And I was like looking into I ideas that I was like, oh my God, this can be done in Puerto Rico, things like that. So 
for me, that was my Disneyland. And I remember that uh, going into someone else's garden was like my childhood dream come true. Because <laughs> remember when I, I mentioned to you that I, I was going into the neighborhood, looking into people's garden or from the outside and fantasizing, oh, what would, uh, right. how, how is that garden look? How can I go there? So, yes, uh, definitely it, it was something that I, I really, really uh, enjoy um, having that experience. And who knew your childhood dream would come true in Buffalo, New York, Perla? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you are so right. Who would have oh, thought that thought? would happen? Oh. It, it was incredible. Yes. Thank you so much for being a guest on the program today. It's been such fun to speak with you. Jennifer, thank you so much. I, I feel so honored to be part of your long list of guests. Perla Sofia Cuerbelo is the founder of agrochic.com, a blog in Spanish about gardening and urban agriculture. With a background in psychology and a career as a journalist for an agricultural newspaper, Perla is a well-known journalist and media contributor in Puerto Rico. Since 2009, her work has focused on promoting wellness and a healthy lifestyle through home gardening. Join us again next week as we continue our multi-week series on healing and the garden when we visit the Chelsea Physic Garden in London and hear about the history of one of the oldest extant medicinal gardens in the world. We'll be joined in this by Ian Houghton. Join us. There are so many ways people engage in and grow from and heal with the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. Over at CultivatingPlace.com this week, make sure to check out the many photos of Perla's horticultural therapy work through her educational outreach efforts. She brings a smile to everyone's face with her knowledge and her warmth. Hey, while you're there, Chico and North State listeners, you are cordially invited to join me at a celebration launch party for the publication of my new book, The Earth in Her Hands. Sunday, March 1st, 2020, from 1 to 3.30 p.m., join me at the Chico Women's Club to kick off Women's History Month. We'll raise a glass and share some yummy baccio treats and enjoy our garden community. I will be happy to sign your copy of The Earth in Her Hands while you're there. After all, you've been listening to me for over 10 years. The event is free, but you do need to register as space is limited. All information is available at mynspr.org or at cultivatingplace.com forward slash events. I can't wait to celebrate with you. Our show producer and engineer is Matt Fiddler. He'll be there too. Executive producer, Sarah Bohannon. She'll be there too. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.